Did you know that private air travel is not just only for the rich and famous? This episode of Tripcast 360 is sponsored by David's Cruise Vacations, a travel agency that specializes in both land and sea adventures for the intrepid traveler. Book now at davidscruisevacations.com and experience that hands-on personal service. Hello and welcome to Tripcast 360, the podcast of lively banter about travel, tourism, and entertainment. This is Michael Gordon-Bennett, and I am joined, as always, by David Cumberbatch out on Long Island. And I believe you did survive Hurricane Henri. How you doing, my friend? It turned out to be a dud. (laughs) 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 They they were talking about winds exceeding 70 miles per hour. The winds were, when I checked my weather app, were about 13. They maxed out about 13.2 miles an hour. I mean, I'm happy about that, but, you know, turned out to be a dad. Good news. Yeah, well, that's good news. It, you know, because I, I saw the reports, you know, no, I don't think people really who've never been to New York know how long Long Island really is, hence the name. Uh, but the yeah. storm, I know, passed the eye passed over Montauk, which is on the uh, on the far eastern end. So that's a little bit away from you. But uh, I see that uh, Connecticut and Rhode Island and uh, I guess Massachusetts today are getting a bath. So yeah. um, we'll see how that rolls. Anyway, we have a really good show for you today. It's uh, um private aviation for the average American. You don't have to be rich to do it. And we, our guest is going to actually uh, give us some of the do's and don'ts and some inside information on that. Uh, so I wanted to jump right into today's podcast. But before I do, uh, the TripCast 360 podcast is available on every single podcast platform you can imagine. Um, but the best place to uh, listen to us is on our own website at TripCast360.com. Uh, the store is coming. We've actually added uh, this uh bookstore uh, from uh, with books from our recent guests is actually now on the homepage of our website, but we have more exciting things coming as we make a slight alteration to our homepage uh, approach. So uh, I look forward to that. And um, Dave, tell the audience where else they can find us. Friendly weekly reminder, we on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and uh, LinkedIn. And follow us, like us, message us, tag us. That's my Friendly reminder. Okay, keep it friendly now. This is a family show. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) let's get into today's show because this is a topic that really excites me. And, you know, in the interest of full disclosure, our guest I have known for two decades. He is one of the best friends I have ever had. And, uh, you know, I, I... really honor his friendship and uh, the time that we get to spend together. You know, we, we don't live in the same cities any longer, but this this is a really special person for me. And uh, I'm glad he's uh, agreed to come back to us. His name is Vince Mickens. He's the founder and CEO of Private Air Media Group, which is a uh, multimedia digital content firm that creates, develops, produces, and distributes aviation, aerospace, and other specialized digital content via webcast, simulcast, and podcast platforms. Vince is a longtime private pilot who flies frequently for business and whose background includes executive roles with the Bob Hoover Legacy Foundation, the National Business Aviation Association, and the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association, all after a 28-year broadcast journalism career that spans seven major television and radio network markets. His webinar, All Things Aviation and Aerospace, has been widely panned as one of the best information sources in aviation. You can catch his series on YouTube, and by the end of this podcast, Vince will tell you how you can become a regular listener to his show. As I mentioned before, today Vince is going to discuss the affordability of private air travel for those of you who don't have a couple billion dollars in your bank account. 
Road Dog, my friend, welcome, man. What's going on with you? Hey, man. Uh, thank you very much for the quite nice uh, intro. Do you want me to wire or just send you a check uh, regarding the compliments? <laughs> well, well uh, I, I guess I want to know if you had uh, uh, robbed Jeff Bezos first. Uh, <laughs> I haven't, but we've rubbed elbows. But I didn't, you know, I checked my account afterwards and it had not changed. So I guess that method didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know hey, that Bezos um, guy's greedy. So <laughs> it's, it's it's great to to be back on the show. And and Michael, we do have a a, a friendship that goes spans a couple of decades, and and we've worked on some projects together. So it's always an honor and a privilege to to have an opportunity to to hang out with you. And and now I've become friends with Dave, and and so you know we got this trio thing going on. Just, but I just, got my... just, just stay away from Dave's rum drinks. <laughs> but I'm putting my arms oh, wait, around. Hey, do you have rum? Hold on. Oh, oh, oh yes. I'm sorry. I... We're virtual. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm virtually embracing you. I'm putting my arms around you, Vince. But, you uh, <laughs> but um, I must admit to you, Vince, that this is an industry that I know very little about. Uh, I, also, I also understand that with proper planning, it can be affordable to many people. But before we dive deeper with our questions, would you would you give us a 360 view of the industry? Sure, I'd be happy to give you a 360. Oh, there's a pun intended there. Gotcha. I'd be happy to give you a 360 view, an overview of the industry. No, um, private air travel is something that uh, has a, quite a history where people have a tendency to put it in a category that it is only for the very wealthy and the, and the elite and, and that type of thing. And there is some truth to that. There are people that um, absolutely that is the way they go, uh, whether it's flying corporate or whether it's just somebody that has the ability to fly on a private aircraft. But we are in a day and age, and particularly in, in recent times, I'll say within the last uh, couple of decades, um, even the last decade in particular, and I can even narrow it down and say, yeah, within the last few years, that private air travel has become very, very affordable um, for most people, um, especially if you're, if you're able to compare it to, for example, if you fly business class or first class on an airline, a lot of times the cost of that can be very similar to what it might cost for you to fly privately. Now, honestly, that's short routes. It's mm -hmm. you're not going to fly privately cross country for a business class or first class fare mm -hmm. in a private jet. That won't happen. But um, if you if you're doing a short hop, Washington, D.C. to New York or Boston to Florida, or, you know, to somewhere in Florida and things like that, uh, then then it's a it's a whole different ball game. So it has opened up. And the other thing that's happened is what uh, what makes it very affordable. And that's semi-private travel. So in other words, basically sharing that private jet with other people that you may not know, um, but need to go to the same place around the same time. And therefore, the cost can be very affordable in doing it that way. Uh, and then the other piece of it now is you have companies like Surfair and JSX, et cetera, that are providing really nice aircraft, private jet style, out of a, what's called an FBO or fixed base operator. Basically, I call them a private jet center. 
Uh, you don't have to deal with all of the nuances of, you know, TSA, et cetera, and so forth. But but mis- make no mistake, the security is is still tight. Uh, they still vet who's going to be on the aircraft. The pilots are vetted um, by the company, uh, et cetera. So it, it's still very secure. It's just you don't have to go through some of the rigmarole that you would. So those are the the, the type of areas uh, that, and, and that's that's what it's about. And the third thing, and this is a piece that most people don't either think about or they, it just never occurs to them. If you like to do certain things like going on ski trips or golf trips or camping trips uh, or hiking, I should say, you know, things like that, uh, those type of, of uh, activities, and you want to do them with friends, uh, maybe it's several couples, maybe it's just a group of friends, period. You know, you're all maybe all single, but you're, you're you know, you have your, your buddies from school or, or work or whatever, and you want to do that. There are ways to do a trip like that on a private aircraft. Um, again, it's probably a short trip. It's not, it's, it's going to be, you know, regional. It's not going to be a long one. A long one's going to be a whole nother level, but a short trip is very affordable to do and very enjoyable to do because then you have the privacy of being on that aircraft together and hanging out together and eating whatever food you want, drinking whatever drink you want, except for the pilots, of course. Um, and, uh, and, and having a really good time and kind of having it on your schedule of when you want to go there and when you want to come back. Uh, so that, that's a, that's another big piece of it, uh, that, uh, that I, I definitely look forward to talking with you guys about. Yeah. And, um, I also understand that as the number of extremely wealthy people worldwide has grown, so too has that private air industry. Is that so? Yeah. Well, yeah. So the number of people that have a lot of money has grown, but that's not really what's been contributing to the growth of the industry. I think the growth of the industry primarily is because of a couple of things. Last year, during the start of COVID-19, people became very skeptical about flying on in a, with a big group of people on the airlines. So people that could afford it and people that normally would fly first class or business class started looking at options. And those options are things like wheels up and, and doing a membership with them and then being able to fly uh, regularly with them. When I say regularly, so business people have a tendency to fly you know, per- fairly frequently. Uh, people for personal reasons may be less so uh, depending on what they do and who they are. But in terms of what you're talking about, Dave, no, it, it's been primarily that it's the convenience. The other mm. thing that has driven people towards private flying is some of the hassles that you go through. And I'm not trying to, to uh, say mean things or bad things about the airlines, but we all know airline flying can be a challenge and have its moments. Um, and sometimes you just want that privacy of being able to just be with flying with who you want to fly with and somebody that you know or people that you know and enjoy it that way versus having to deal with that. On a business side of things, um, flying, uh, doing a business flight privately can be very good because you have an opportunity to be on the aircraft and talk business, have a meeting, uh, conduct phone calls from the aircraft because the technology is there now where 
everything's pretty much seamless. You can make a phone call. You can you can um, chat off of your phone or off of your your uh, iPad or laptop or whatever the case may be. Email the whole nine video conference and everything. That's all available now. So it's it's kind of uh, and it makes it uh, a, a very convenient and very secure to be able to do it that way. So yes, uh, private air travel has exponentially grown with over the last couple of years, particularly last year, and is still showing growth this year. And yeah, the folks that can buy buy the you know forty, fifty, sixty million dollar aircraft, yeah, I think they're doing okay. Uh, you mean, with, you, mean you mean like you? Yeah, no. Um, no, <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. I'm just going to say no. I can't even. I can't even fathom that. So I'm just going <laughs> to. But thank you. I I would love to be able to do that. But um, no, it's it's actually um, it's interesting too that you bring that up, though. Not in terms about me, but in terms of the ability to purchase an aircraft. Um, and a lot of people that don't know much about private air travel, they don't realize this, but the cost of an aircraft can be really quote-unquote, um, relatively inexpensive to a ridiculous amount. The range literally can be for under a million to all the way up to over a hundred million. So that just depends on the individual or the purpose or, you know, in some cases, some of our global Fortune 500 companies own aircraft that can fly halfway around the world nonstop. Uh, but there's a reason for that. And, and there's actually a justification for it Although it's really hard to explain to people how you say, oh, it's just a business trip. Yeah, oh, I know it's on a $75 million aircraft, and I know <laughs> it's flying nonstop, and it has a bed in it, and I have a corporate flight attendant, and it has catered food. Yeah, that is kind of hard to explain. But it, it, when you put it into perspective, and I, I, I'm, I don't want to digress, but I want to say this. When you put it into perspective of when a company cuts a deal or does business, and that business helps that company grow. That company, therefore, continues to be able to hire the people that they have, the staff that they have, or grow that staff. Now, you can get in a whole bunch of other stuff about shareholder benefits or, or, and things like that. But in terms of the company being healthy and being able to hire a lot of people, they have to be able to cut these deals and they have to be able to do it in a time-sensitive way. And, and, and that's, that's really what business flying is all about on that, on that side of private. Got it. You, uh, I'm going to circle back to something you had mentioned in your opening remarks. Sure. When you talked about short haul flights uh, for, uh, for travel, especially as it regards to maybe more of the leisure side of it. Define what you mean. I, I know you mentioned like New York to Washington or something like that. Is there like a nautical mile break off? I think in a private conversation, I recall you and I having, I think you said something around 750 nautical miles or some sort of defining point where it's actually more advantageous to use an airline as opposed to a private air jet. Michael, that's a really great question. And, and I can break it down to this. A typical flight, 500 nautical miles or less. And for people that want to break that down. Um, it, it means in statute miles, it'd be like, I don't know, 550 or something like that. But anyhow, 500 nautical miles or less that there's a lot that can be said and done with that, um, in, in the regions, meaning that most of those type of companies, uh, that have that kind of opportunity are either on the East coast or the West coast. 
sometimes there's some in in the in the center of the country, but in terms of frequency and availability, it generally tends to be, you know, all up and down the West Coast, maybe all the way to Phoenix or possibly Texas uh, from the West Side, and from the East Side, you know, mostly up and down the East Coast, maybe to Ohio, um, Tennessee, Arkansas, et cetera, et cetera. So. Um, but yeah, 500 is a good marker. 750 starts to stretch it, um, but it's still a possibility. And, and when you get into like a thousand nautical miles, you're, you're really, now you're getting ready to flip into more expensive um, traveling. Okay. So, and again, you know, let's talk about it from the standpoint of what type of traveling people want to do. So if David, wants to make a quick trip from New York down to Washington or from New York down to, you know, North Carolina or something like that, then there's services that provide that, that Dave can probably hop on it if he's flexible with his time. And that's the thing that's really important. And, 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 and sharing that on the other side on the West coast, if you want to go from Vegas to San Francisco or Vegas to San Diego or Vegas to LA. We all, you know, we know those are all short hops. Um, and, and you can, you can jump on a surf air or somebody or JSX and you can do that affordably. Uh, but it does have to do with timing. So it does have to do with when you want to go and you're like, well, gosh, you know, I thought private travel was at your, yeah. It's at your beck and call if you want to pay beck and call money for it. But <laughs> if you want the the enjoyment of it, of flying that style, um, but not spend very much money for it, then yeah, you're kind of at their their beck and call, so right. to speak. So um, and that that would that's the same thing. So anyhow, those type of service would allow you to to fly as cheap as maybe. A hundred or hundred and forty nine dollars one way, um, and I'm just talking about the services that have that provide that. Uh, I'm trying to think of uh, the well JSX. I've talked about and I've talked about um, uh, Surf Air. Yeah, Surf yeah. Air, and there's there's a couple of new ones that are popping up uh, on the East Coast as well that that provide that kind of service. Yeah, we're going to circle back to both JSX and Surf Air because. Uh, uh, Dave Cumberbatch has heard me talk about this a lot. I, I actually found out about JSX from a friend and then I was shocked. And then um, about uh, last month when I went to visit my grandkids, I actually flew on commercial air to uh, Orange County, John Wayne's airport. And out right. the window, lo and behold, two JSX planes land as I'm uh, departing the plane. I'm like, wow, they really do have this service in it. <laughs> They're pretty cool. And they didn't pull into the main terminal. They went to their own little FBO off to the side and out they went. So we're, we're going to come back to that because that really intrigued me. And you're right about the scheduling and the price because I've checked. But before we get into the, um, into the weeds of some of that, let's define, and, and you've touched on this in your answer before, but I kind of wanted to clarify it. Sure. Uh, private Versus semi-private, yes, yeah, uh, and, and the nuanced differences between the two. I, I, I know you mentioned uh, the scheduling and the convenience factor, but kind of touch that, hit, hit that really hard. Yeah, actually, it's pretty simple. So private just means that you either have the plane to yourself, 
or um, it generally means you have the plane to yourself. And if you have anybody, and this is what I was going to say, if you have anybody else on it, it's somebody that you know. It's a, it's a spouse, family member, friends, or whatever. That's private. If it's semi-private, you're going to benefit from the cost because you're flying with some people that you don't know. So you may be sitting in a cabin of, that holds maybe eight or 10 people, a nice private jet cabin, but you may be uh, sharing that cabin with another individual, another couple, another several other people that you don't know, but you're, you're all having the benefit of flying, sitting in this nice private cabin that has all of the amenities, um, Wi-Fi and, and um, you know, cater, catered uh, you know, decent food and, and drink and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But you're sharing it with people uh, that you don't know. And you're just both going the same, same direction, going to, to the same destination. Going to the same destination. Now, on, yep. the pri- on the private side of it for a moment, in terms of scheduling, is, uh, which I'm assuming is different from a more of a charter service where you can actually pick the time that you want to leave with, uh, how did the the scheduling work in the private space? Um, are there set times for the private jets? Or do okay. They- no, I, I now I understand what you're yeah. saying about that. No, that's very that's very good to, to bring up. So there are two types. There's what basically you can call on demand. Okay. And that that's chartering. Basically, that means you say I'm leaving Friday morning at 9 a.m. from such and such airport, and I want to land at such and such airport in such and such city. You know. And then um, when I finish, I want to come back from that airport back to where I came from. That's a private charter. Um, now, you can still do private charter another way, and that's empty seats. So you can be registered with some of these different services that allow you then to say, hey, is, are any jets, any private jets going from Las Vegas to Denver? Friday. And then through their algorithms and everything, they'll, they'll come back at you and they'll say, you know what? We have a Falcon 50 that's leaving on Friday at 10.30 a.m. and it's going to Denver. It's doing an empty leg or something like that, meaning that that, that aircraft has brought somebody from somewhere or maybe even brought them from Denver and is now it needs to go back to Denver where it's based, but they want to, they don't want to send it back empty. They want to kind of cut their costs. And so they'll send it back with passengers if at all possible. So getting on empty legs is a great way to save a lot of money and to uh, still have the benefits of that kind of travel. And sometimes you can hit pay dirt and be on a very, very nice aircraft. Um, not that all the aircraft don't have their, their niceness to them, but you know, some jets are smaller and then some jets are global size. They're bigger and much more comfortable. And sometimes a jet may fly a charter one way for somebody and it needs to go back to its base or it needs to go to another destination. That's going to be its next departure point. And it's going to fly that empty. It's only going to have the two pilots on board, maybe a flight attendant. and. So it's it's open, and you can find that out through a number of these apps. Oh, and they're, what do they call empty seat services em- apps? Empty legs. Em- it's empty legs. Empty legs. Okay. Yeah, it's an empty leg. So so there are aircraft fly all over the place all the time. 
um, that sometimes if, if, and we're, again, we're talking charter. If, if it's a one-way charter, they're going to fly somewhere. They're going to drop people off. And then they, they have options from that point. They may pick up a new set of people and then fly them elsewhere. Or they may not have anybody to pick up. So then they may reposition to another city where they're going to pick up another set of people and fly them somewhere. So all of these private aircraft are constantly flying around and they're not always full, these mm. chartered aircraft. So the, the flight operations actually is pretty sophisticated because it's, it's how do you maximize the use of this aircraft and, and maximize revenue generation of this aircraft um, when it's not actually being chartered by a paid customer, by, you know, by, by a charter customer. By a charter customer. Yeah. Um, so. Any idea and... You have the option of being 100% wrong on this, but any idea what the savings are uh, on one of these empty leg flights uh, you know, that you would get? I mean, is it like 10% off of a normal charter cost or 20 years or any oh, way no, to gauge I wouldn't, that? I wouldn't base it on, I wouldn't base it on that uh, like a percentage. I would give you an example, and let's just say, let's say a flight, I'll, I'll keep using the one I just made up. Uh, let's say Las Vegas to Denver would normally cost on a charter, $13,000, okay, okay? Uh, per person, or, or, or for, actually for the aircraft. So let's, let's say $13,000. And let's just say that um, it's a one-way charter and they take some passengers. Uh, and so they make money on that flight to Denver. But now, let me reverse it the other way. The flight from Denver to Vegas. Now you're talking. <laughs> yeah, and now, but now you want to, you want to uh, know if there's a flight like that available for you, and you can get on that flight. And because it's an empty leg, that same flight might only cost a couple of grand. Mm. Now, a couple of grand to some people would still be super expensive. Uh, to a business person or a person that you know has has a little extra change, uh, then that sure beats you know an additional eleven thousand. <laughs> oh yeah. So so in that to answer your question, uh, Michael, that can really vary. Okay. Um, some empty legs can be super cheap, and some some empty empty legs not so cheap. And again, it, it has to do with distance uh, and and that type of thing, and the scheduling of the aircraft. Okay, got it. Yeah, and that's that comes back to these apps. That's what these apps are for. They they give you the opportunity to. Um, to look at that, actually, they you put in what you're interested in, and then they they search it for you, mm -hmm. and yeah, and then when they once they uh, find something, they suggest it to you and say, okay, this is what's available on the day you said that you want to go. Oh, by the way, um, here's another uh, here's another flight. It's not on the day. Can you roll a day? You know, can you can you go a day earlier or can you go a day later? Because if you can we have this flight available too. Okay. You know, and then you can, and they'll tell you how much it's going to be. And then you can decide if that works for you or not. Got it. So Got it. now uh, one of the things I will say that I did, I, I, I chimed into a couple of these apps and one in particular. So there's one called jet ASAP. Uh, and it's interesting because 
I I logged into it to to I, I mean I, I downloaded it on my phone and then uh, you know I, I went to to sign in for it and it needed me to um, get a a code. In order to get the code, I had to give them a whole bunch of information, which I did not not just you know not name, rank, and serial number, but name and address and company name and all those kind of things. And then I got a kind of a flag for a second because it said. Um, it'll take two to three days for approval. And I was like, well, gosh, you know, if I was trying to figure out something today, then I'm going to put you aside and move on. Well, interestingly enough, the approval came back 30 minutes later Oh, um, mm. with a code. So then that allows me to go into the app and, and make my request. Okay. And it is one of those apps where you can say what you need and then it'll let you know what's available. Okay. Um, now, it is more charter specific um, than, uh, than empty leg. Um, so, but there are, and I'm, I'm drawing a blank on it, but I'll, I'll, I'll pull it up in a minute. There, there are, there are empty leg apps that specialize in empty legs. Um, one service I do know off the top of my head, and it's called Avinode. And Avinode, if you are looking for that, Avinode can give you both options. They can give you the charter option, or they can give you the the empty leg option, you know, in terms of, w- of what can be provided. Yeah, just for those of you listening, uh, we're we're gonna do a little homework and get some help from Vince. We'll have this in the write up on our podcast on our website too, because uh, you know we, we we're That'd not endorsing one. Do, yeah, 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 we're not endorsing one over the other. We just want to give you our listeners some options as to what's out there. So we'll put those in the write up. So. Yeah, Vince is not here to endorse one or the other. We just oh man, you I got to cancel works. the deal I had with him. Okay. <laughs> oh, you didn't tell me that part, <laughs> dude. I want to get paid. <laughs> Are you kidding? I couldn't even think of who it was. <laughs> so, obviously, <laughs> obviously, I don't have a deal cut. I can't even remember. Either happened. that, or they just fired you. <laughs> right. Oh. You saw my phone. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, I, I heard a ding going off. That that was them. <laughs> Vince, um, earlier we were talking about how to book and split the costs. And obviously, this is this comes down to uh, affordability to fly private air. And my and I'm thinking that this is from the consumer side, not the ownership side. But I'm also trying to draw a parallel between. And I'll give you an example. Several years ago, I owned two timeshares in um, Florida. Okay. So how how does that, is there a parallel between that aspect of it from the consumer side and fractional ownership? Absolutely. So there are fractional ownership companies. But here's the trick about fractional ownership. And here's how it goes. If you're only going to be using the aircraft, say, Flying an average of maybe 25 to 50 hours a year, then you should stick with charter because fractional, one, the, the, the typical type of fractional, like net jets, net jets, um, doesn't become cost effective until you're flying more. So if you're flying a lot, in other words, more than 50 hours a year, then you want to go to a fractional like net jet. Um, mm. because anything less than that charter just makes more sense. There's also another caveat, and, and that is, is that there are companies like Wills Up uh, that have very affordable memberships. 
that um, it's not a, so I should, I should come back and say that there's fractional ownership. And then there's what we call jet card membership. Mm-hmm. Fractional ownership is just that you literally own a piece of the plane and, and you pay the freight for that. But if you're flying a lot, or if you're a company that, that needs that kind of frequency, then it makes a lot of sense financially. Uh, if you're um, flying fairly often and you want to save, then these membership deals can be very good because the membership deal gives you, it puts you in the system. You're already vetted security-wise and like a wills up uh, will have aircraft that can be from you know, the, the more expensive private jets to the least, less expensive turboprops. And I do want to mention, we're, we talk jet, 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 because everybody thinks jet, jet, jet. And some people, I, I love this. There are so many of your typical, of everybody, when I say your, your average person, that thinks that jets are safer than a turboprop. They, what they don't know is turboprop is a jet engine with a propeller on it. So a turboprop is as safe as the jet because it is a jet. It just is a jet engine that, you know, deals with the, the propeller. And, um, and I, so I say that to say something like somebody like Wills Up, they have what's, what are called Beechcraft King Airs. These are twin engine turboprops. They're really comfortable. They're not as fast as the jet. In fact, they're at least 100 knots or so slower, uh, at, at least. Um, mm-hmm. But if it's a short, 500 nautical mile flight or even a New York to your Florida um, timeshare. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you're, if you're just, unless you just want to be on a jet or if you're in a little bit of an extra hurry and you don't mind paying a little bit more for it, fine. You can take the jet or you can fly in at that King air. It's very comfortable. It has all of the same accoutrements. Uh, it'll just take you, uh, you know, an extra, I don't know, 30 minutes or an hour or whatever to get, to get where you're going, but the savings on it is pretty significant. So with the negative impact that, um, COVID-19 had on commercial travel, the regular commercial travel, Mm -hmm. did that, did that reflect in a positive way on private air travel? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It, it, it reflected on it in the sense that, or it affected it in the sense that um, people that did not want to be around um, a large number of people as you would on an airliner. I mean, the typical airliner, even a small um, shuttle flight can be an average of about 60 to 75 people on that flight. In a typical airliner, it's more like 125 to 175. Um, and that's, that's average. And then you get into the jumble jets and you're talking two, three, 400 people on there. So, um, yeah, uh, people that were really concerned but still needed to travel. Um, and that's, that, that's be, that becomes a thing. Is it something that you just want to do? Or that you have to do because you know you need to travel for business or you need to travel for personal reasons that are compelling enough to say I need to go. I don't really want to go on the airlines. 
Is there an affordable way to do this privately? And, and then the answer becomes, you know, with enough uh, research, you'll find that, uh, yes, there are ways to do it. Research and flexibility, I should add, you know, because the, the flexibility, I can't overemphasize that. Michael, you brought it up earlier, too. You really have to have a little bit of flexibility if you want to enjoy that type of travel, um, but don't want to come out of pocket too deep for it. But, but most folks who travel commercial cannot afford to travel private here. Is that where the whole conversation comes in about how to book and split costs? It does. Um, so there is a segment of the consumer travel market that are always looking for the bargain flight. And thanks to them, there are airlines like Spirit. <laughs> but <laughs> but, but um, even, with, even with the major airlines, the Uniteds, the Americans, the Deltas, et cetera, uh, the, folks still have a tendency to want to look for the most uh, cost-effective fare. That's one segment. Then there's a segment that do like cruises and stuff. And those are people that save up for a special trip. And so the same way they save up for a special cruise or for an overseas trip, they'll save up for something that they want to do. And they, they, they'll factor in the cost. So I think going more to the direction of what you're talking about, Dave, is saying, hey, we want to do a group activity and we don't want to necessarily do it flying on the airline. How much mm-hmm. would it cost for us to fly on a plane that can take eight or 10 or 12 of us on a ski trip or on a, a, a outdoor adventure hiking thing or whatever, or, or mm-hmm. fly fishing trip. And I could keep a golf trip. I could keep going and going. Right. Mm-hmm. How much mm-hmm. would that cost? And again, there's two things that one that'll make it immediately really affordable. Actually two things will. One is that uh, you're going on a short trip. So you just don't want to drive six hours or eight hours or whatever. Um, so that trip is generally going to be uh, around 500 miles or less, 500 nautical miles or less. That's one way to do it. And you can split that. And that, and you can do that on a turbo prop like a King Air or even a jet. Um, and, and it'd be you know, relatively affordable for most people. The other thing you could do is you can do it on the surf airs of the JSX of the world. Um, but, um, you just, you need to have some flexibility on when you depart, uh, when you use the, that service and, and mm-hmm. so that you can get the least expensive fare. And the other piece of that is that's not completely private. That's semi-private. So now mm-hmm. you're going back to being on a, on an aircraft with your friends, but with other people, mm-hmm. if you want to keep it completely private then, you know, yes, you split the cost. Again, if you keep it a short trip, the better. The longer the trip, the more expensive, and it, it, it grows exponentially. Hmm. I, I want to approach this from process. Let's yes. talk about process for a minute. Okay, let's say I'm Vince Mickens. Michael Bennett and Vince Mickens are in Washington, D.C. I've got eight other guys. We want to go to Beth Page Blackout on Long Island where Dave lives, and we want to test out the U.S. Open golf course. Before the okay. U.S. Open shows up, I don't know if it's there this year or not, but Beth Page Black is one of those places. So that fits cool. within the 500 nautical mile range. It does. Um, and stuff like that. So let's talk process. 
I'm a novice. I don't know what you, Vince, knows. Where do I start? How, how do I layer this thing so that it makes sense? Got you. So your, your best bet is to pick an app uh, or service that, you know, is, is pretty well known. So I would, you know, in other words, it's, it's kind of a popular one because believe it or not, there are hundreds of services uh, of apps and, and services that provide, you know, the brokering service for charters, which by the way, if you have to be careful with the brokers because they, they like to pad stuff tremendously. So to answer your question, I would pick for the trip you're talking about. I, well, if you're talking a one-off, because I was going to say, if you're going to do something like that regularly, then you want to pick somebody like a Wheels Up because you can do a membership with them that's, that's affordable. So if you were going to do several of those trips uh, in a year, then it, it might become worth your while. But if you're, if you're doing a one-off, you can still use them, um, but then you'll have to just pay their, their hourly fee for the aircraft. That being said, it can still be pretty affordable. So um, to where, what you're talking about, for example, in a, how many people did you say? Ten. Let's just say there's ten of us. Okay. Well, there you go. So on a trip like that, I'm just going to ballpark this. But that would be something to the effect of, that would be around $6,000 in a King Air. Okay. Okay, mm. but six thousand dollars divided by ten is six hundred a piece. Right. So, yeah, you can fly commercial uh, up there for from say from Washington Dallas um, for a round trip uh, that probably be maybe three, probably three hundred, maybe four hundred. So if if you want to do it with your friends and have that little extra luxury factor in there then $600 is probably not much of a stretch, uh, especially if you're going to go pay, play a nice course like that and you, you're all golfers and going to have a lot of fun. The other thing is you can land at an airport that's only going to be uh, not even 30 minutes from Bethpage. You know? So because now you're talking about landing at a private airport, not landing at JFK or LaGuardia or, or stuff like that. This episode of TripCast 360 is sponsored by David's Cruise Vacations, a travel agency that specializes in both land and sea adventures for the intrepid traveler. Book now at davidscruisevacations.com and experience that hands-on personal service. With the convenience and the amenities, uh, if that same trip that you said would cost 300 and something dollars in the two cities Michael mentioned, if you travel first class from those two cities, what would that cost? Well, that's a, that's a good point. Yep. Uh, it would probably bump up and it'd probably be the same. It'd probably be the same. Right. It'd probably be close to the same. It might, right. it might bump up to, you know, 500 or something like that. I'm guessing because I, I right. haven't looked at any numbers like that specific. But here's the other catch. Now you're landing at LaGuardia. Mm-hmm. You're landing at JFK. And now you got to navigate from that all the way up to Beth Page. Right. So, so you're also dealing with ground transportation to get where you want to go that's going to be a lot farther. And, and in the case of Long Island, and I know you know this, Dave, um, your ground tra- transportation can cost. That's right. 
especially if it's if there's demand for it or in, in between that and traffic. So it takes some of the fun out of it. By the time you get there, you have a drink first before you go out on the course. Right. And you get your booze and you get your food and you get everything. Yeah, so you can be drunk before private. you even yeah. land. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so, so much for tearing up a golf course. Um. <laughs> well, you might tear it up a different way. <laughs> <laughs> Back in the day, they called that cutting a rug. I don't know what they call it now. Fair <laughs> way. Um, but I think Dave's point is a valid one. Okay. That trip, round trip on first class or business class is 500. You spend 600 on the jet. I don't know about you, but I'm paying that extra $100 for the convenience. That's right. Same Precisely. Here. Yeah. You know, Precisely. and that's, yeah. that's the whole point that we're trying to drive home with this podcast is if you do it right and you plan it properly, the convenience and time saving factor, not to mention the fact that ground transportation costs, when you add that in, that's right. equal to the flight of the, 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 the flight. Yeah. Right. And the comfort. And then I want to emphasize the destination because you use Beth Page as an example. We can use a lot of different examples. There's a big difference between going into some major commercial airport and going into a general aviation or what we, you know private airport mm-hmm. um, that's closer to where you want to go, that doesn't have the congestion, and you're already having the convenience of going to a private jet terminal that is very direct with you getting on and off that plane, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And in terms of process, the other thing about the private travel is there's something to be said about arriving at a private aviation terminal, going in and basically walking directly to the plane. Somebody's, you know, you've dropped your bag. Somebody's taking care of that. And you're on the plane. You can be on a plane. If your pilots have it ready, and everything's good to go, you can be on that plane in five minutes. You literally can get out of your car, walk through the terminal, and and say hello. Hi, I'm so-and-so for the flight. And they go, okay, we're ready. And you go and you get on the plane. So if if you wanted to be wheels up by 2 o'clock in the afternoon and you arrive at 155, you know, you're, well, they'll be closing the door at 2 o'clock. But you know what yeah. I mean. You, yeah. you mm-hmm. can, you're, you're immediately ready to go. Um, and, and that's, that's, and and then there are the advantages of the, the things that you can tell them what you want. You know, they, they give you the, uh, the privilege of knowing, of being able to order what you want, you know, from a catering standpoint and things like that. Those, those are the kind of things that are added to, to flying privately that, uh, make all the difference. Now, if you ask for something really extravagant, they will add that to your tab. Oh. <laughs> well, well, Dave. Dave has this uh, bad habit of ordering, you know, six hundred dollar bottles of rum, and I don't think they're going to let that slide. But um, uh, <laughs> um, what bottle of rum? No, that's another conversation. <laughs> yeah, it, it is, and there is some out there. I found that out when I was in the Cayman <laughs> Islands. So um, <laughs> I found that out the hard way after I asked the bartender not to give me any more wine and pour me his most expensive rum, and he says, "Mr. Bennett." That's a $600 bottle. I said, oh, mm-hmm. never mind. Um, so, yeah, I learned that the hard way. I want to follow up on an earlier question. I think Michael sure. asked the question and your answer. When we talk about empty legs, um, what percentage of folks don't return? What percentage of these flights are return flights? Uh, or wow, what Dave, percentage of one-way flights? Dave, that's a technical question. It's really hard to answer. Because there are so many flights going all the time. 
So there are hundreds, literally hundreds, really almost thousands of charter flights bouncing uh, around the country and for that matter, around the world. And I should mention to you, by the way, that although it's, it's less frequently, there are charter flights that are international. Uh, and that, that, there's a little bit more complicated because, particularly because of COVID, but also because of, um, you know, the, the requirements for possibly for a visa and passport stuff and all that kind of stuff. But there are flights from time to time that are empty leg, either going back to Europe or coming, coming to the state. Uh, like I said, those are a little harder to come by. But coming back to what you were saying uh, about the the uh, the empty leg factor or, or what percentage, there are a lot of flights that that fly empty legs every day. Uh, the question is where they're flying to and from, uh, and and things like that. But yeah, it's that's generally not a problem. the 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 other question comes into play is what size aircraft is it? And therefore, what are you looking at as far as the charge? So an empty leg on a King Air turboprop is one thing, but an empty leg on a Gulfstream 650 is a whole nother, whole nother world. And the Gulfstream 650, for those who don't know, that's a really, that's a big global jet that can fly a long distance uh, nonstop and, uh, and has every accoutrement you can think of. Gotcha. Let's say, let's, let's say, say, Vince, I came to D.C. to visit you. I came either on Amtrak or I came on Commercial Airlines. And then on my way back, I said, you know what? I want to go back private. Is there a resource? Is there a place that you can go to find out about empty legs and all that for it to be more cost effective for me? Um, yes. So... Well, to find out if it's more cost-effective, oh, to go back and, and cancel that second half of your trip? No, if I, if I took a one-way trip oh, to Oh, took you. a one-way and then wanted to fly back private? Yeah. Well, the resource is going to uh, one of these apps and, and seeing what's available. Oh, okay. Seeing what they're offering cost-wise, that's it. And, and I, I, I wanted to give an example, and this is something also we can put uh, several examples on um, on I'll give that information to you, Michael, to put on the site. But um, Blade is one of those that does that. It's, it, the company's called Blade, mm-hmm. and and they they specialize in in empty leg flights. Um, mm-hmm. And one I'm sorry I didn't think of earlier. Uh, it's called VistaJet, uh, and I'm very familiar with VistaJet. Um, but VistaJet also oh, it's one that you can. You can put in the information, um, and they'll even send you notifications. So that's the other thing that these guys will do. You can register with certain companies and certain app on certain apps, and they will actually. If if you just want to know, say you say, and this is really important. I'm I almost would have missed it if I hadn't um, been paying attention to what I'm telling you guys. Let's say you know that you want to go. I'm gonna use Michael. Let's say, Michael, you know that you want to go from Vegas to San Francisco. You know that you're going to want to do that. You can actually tell the company, you know what, Um, please let me know whenever there's going to be a flight on Friday from Vegas, an empty leg flight from Vegas to San Francisco. And what they will do is when an empty leg pops up, they will send you a notification. Yeah. 
and they'll let you know at that time how much it's going to cost. And you can say, you know, you can contact them and say, yeah, I want to grab that flight or no, I'm, I'm good for now, you know? So, and there are apps that do that, that, that actually notify you when an empty leg pops. So you don't have to, uh, and that comes back to what you were saying, Dave, you don't necessarily have to hunt it down as much. You can actually um, be notified when it's going to happen, unless you're on a specific schedule. That's actually pretty cool. It's very cool. This is kind of a, um, I don't want to say it's a silly question, but I just want, I've been to a couple of uh, private air terminals with Vince, a couple of FBOs, if you will. Vince, kind of tell us and feel free to wax poetic about this, about just walking into a private air terminal and just like, you know, you sit there and they're catering to your every need. You know, everybody's professional. You got these big overstuffed chairs. You got these beautiful magazines to read. I mean, the experience I had with you, I have never forgotten. Yeah, um, it's funny to talk <laughs> about that. It really is a great experience. So when you and when you parallel it to what we normally all go through when we go on a commercial flight, where you have to get there early because you know you're going to have to go through TSA and all of those kind of things. And if you have to check your bags, you got to go through that process first. Then you got to go through the TSA process. Then you got to find your gate. And, and depending on what flight you're on uh, and how busy the airport is, et cetera, uh, and how big the airport is, finding your gate may in itself be a challenge. So you go through all of that commercial. We do that all the time when we fly commercial. When you fly private, number one, there are over 5,000 general aviation airports, meaning private airports, that of the 5,000, uh, I mean, there's of almost 5,000, over 5,000, there's another 500 commercial airports. So if you separate commercial from the private aviation, you have the private airports, that's 5,000 of them plus, and then you have about 500 major airports. Um, it does a couple of things. It opens up, uh, as I mentioned earlier before, a ton of destination possibilities. And then getting to your point, Michael, about the amenities of it, there is nothing like... So here's a typical, typical flight. You pull up in your car or in Uber or in a, you know, a town car or whatever, and you're greeted because they've gotten a heads up you're coming. So the 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 jet center knows you're coming because the pilots have already prepped the plane and they're waiting for you. Pilots are always ready with the plane. They've already pre-flighted it. They've already set up the flight plan of where you're going. All that's done. They're just waiting for you. And so you get there and they greet you at the door and they will do things like if you're in your personal car, they'll park the car for you. If you're in an Uber or whatever, then, you know, they, they get your luggage and everything and they'll get everything that you want them. If you say, here's my briefcase, but put that on the plane, you can put the rest in the cargo hold. Then they'll literally put your briefcase on your seat in the plane. And so it's already taken. Now, this is totally private, not versus not where you're sharing in semi-private because semi-private, you know, you don't want to put your briefcase or whatever or purse, yeah, but on, <laughs> on totally private. Yeah, you they'll take care of everything. They'll put, you know, your the lady's purse on or briefcase or whatever on the seat and the guy's briefcase and all that kind of stuff. You walk into the terminal and 
if you're ready to go, you're ready to go. You literally can just walk through the terminal, walk right out onto the tarmac, jump on the plane, and you guys are gone. Or if you're waiting for a couple of other people to arrive, maybe you're going with another couple or a couple other business people or whatever, then you're sitting uh, in this in this very nice private aviation terminal that, as you said, Michael, has comfortable sofas and seats and recliners and, you know, has two or three televisions on, on different channels, and they have a remote for you if you want to change it to something you prefer to watch. They usually have, you know, things like um, coffee and, and um, you know, different kinds of snacks, whether it's, you know, pop, something as simple as popcorn or whatever. A lot of times they have that when people are coming through with their family and they know the kids are going to want some cookies or something. They have all that stuff available and, and readily accessible. And you hang out there until the other folks get there, and then you all go out and jump on the plane and go. So yeah, the atmosphere and it—it's it, funny you say that because I, even though I've been doing this stuff forever, and some of the um, we call them FBOs. I keep wanting to say FBO, fixed base operator, but in lay terms, the private jet terminals, some of them are just over the top. I mean, they're just—you're just like. Wow. I mean, the artwork or the atmosphere or whatever, some of the amenities, you you know, um, and some of them are over the top for the pilots where they have a pilot's lounge that has private showers and sleeping rooms for the pilots and things like that. So they they are. Um, yeah, <laughs> those those things quite, are the bomb. I got to tell you when. Yeah, I don't, they are I don't, the bomb. <laughs> I don't know which I don't know if it was Burbank or Long Beach where you and I were. At. We went to both. But. Man, I, it I yeah, it was both. And I remember there were some people who actually showed up at the at the uh, private air terminal early on purpose just to enjoy the amenities of the private <laughs> air terminal. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. It, it, so it, it so think cool. of it. Think of it a little bit like for people that probably have experienced this more when you have a, a lounge for a luck, you know, kind of a luxury lounge for the airline, like for United or yeah. American, American Airlines or had a very nice one. Yeah, and and so it's it's that, uh, and then take it up a couple of notches. That that on steroids. <laughs> that on steroids. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to make a, a a slight pivot now because I know we we've, we've mentioned Surfair and JSX. I kind of look at them as hybrids of the traditional uh, private travel business. How would how do you first of all, how do we ca- characterize? Surfair and JSX and, and those types of planes. What what are if I were to sit down and I say, okay, I, I don't want to do the full blown private air that we've been talking about, but I see these services that offer private air like. First of all, what category do I put JSX and Surfair into? Semi private. Semi private. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Semi private because uh, the the, the semi private uh, factor is is that you're flying with other people that you don't know. Okay. But you still are having the enjoying the the privilege and the amenities of being on a private aircraft, right? You know, a, a private type of aircraft, private jet. Uh, in in most cases, that's what they're using, and so you you're doing that. You're just going to be on with other people that you don't know that are doing the same thing you're doing. Okay, and yeah. and that's the biggest difference because other than that, the amenities are the same. The comfort level, the smallness of it. All of those things are the same, but sit, who's sitting next to you or across from you, you know, you, you may be, uh, you know, you won't know them, you know, right. there's somebody else that got the same deal and is joining you. 
Okay. Because I, I, uh, because I'm familiar with JSX, uh, going back to the uh, point that you brought up at the beginning of the podcast, uh, they have actually a schedule. We fly to right. LAX, we fly to Santa Ana, we fly to San yes. Francisco, we fly to Dallas or whatever, Phoenix. Uh, and I actually looked at their schedule. I actually have it up on my website. Now, there are certain days where the fare between Vegas and Orange County is $99. The very mm-hmm. next day, it's $149. Right. Um, so they're, they're, they're kind of acting like a traditional carrier in one sense, but a private carrier on the other. That's absolutely correct. That's what they're doing. So they have, they have what they call scheduled flight. And uh, again, that comes back to what we were talking about early on in this, this conversation, and that is it's, it's a peak versus non-peak. Mm-hmm. So um, there are times that people fly more frequently, and so they have a, 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 a larger number of customers, and therefore they're going to charge you, um, uh, 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 that's their peak times, and therefore they're going to charge you a higher rate. Right. But going from 99 to 149, and, and depending on where you're going, that's still not bad uh, at oh, all, right. especially for the amenities that you get are in terms of that type of flying. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I, I just flew commercially from L.A., uh, from Las Vegas to Orange County last month, and um, the price point difference between my commercial airline ticket and that $99 fare was all of 20 bucks. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and um, how many people were on your plane? Oh, we were packed. Um, I mean, you know, however many that, uh, that Air, uh, A310 held, we were, there was not an empty seat on the plane. So it was an A310 that you were on? For... I, believe, I believe it was. I, I'm doing that from memory, but I think it was, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. And that was JSX? No, that was no the 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 air carrier that I'm telling you about was um, not a. Oh, it doesn't matter. It was an yeah, airline. Yeah, yeah, it was an airline Frontier. No, I'm yeah. talking about on your JSX flight. Oh, the JSX. There was thirty. Okay. All right. Yeah. So that brings up a really good point because thirty is basically a commuter sized flight. Mm-hmm. It's still comfortable. Um, it depends on how they had the plane configured. Um, it still is comfortable. But it's still so that's kind of in between a true private jet flight mm-hmm. and a, and a regular airline flight. Yeah. So we're, what did you feel? Let me ask you this because I have not seen their aircraft, so I'm asking. I'm now I'm asking you a question. Oh. <laughs> are they are their seats like first class? Uh, or are they just typical? No, they're they're kind of like in between. They're not quite first class, but they're sure as hell ain't the regular typical, you know, squeeze them in a seat. I, I, I guess okay. there's some sort of middle ground in there. And they were, they were comfortable. They were comfortable. Okay. Yeah. Especially for you, six foot four. So, um, yeah. So I would call that more of a commuter style of okay. flying than to me. Um, and in my experience, private flying is generally on an aircraft that seats a dozen or less. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, so, and typically if you do two clubs of four, that's, that's eight, eight seats. That's, that's a typical private flight on a fairly sizable aircraft. If you, if you drop that size of the aircraft down, that quickly can become like six seats, you know, um, plus the two pilots. So, so 
I, I think you bring up something though that's probably really key because um, it's using the term private loosely. Okay. Well, when you when you say, okay, yeah, you get to fly like you know, flying on a private jet. Yeah, but then yeah, and thirty, by the way, is still better than seventy-five. Oh yeah, <laughs> on, on one of those regionals, but but still thirty is is a little bit more than the norm for a true private flight uh, in terms of a private jet flight. Got it. Do you see these types of services springing up around the country? I had never heard of this type of service before. Um, And so when I, like I said, I only heard about it three months ago and I'm like, oh, I got to get on one of those uh, because I I just love the convenience. I live 10 minutes from the airport. (laughs) I'm glad you asked that question because I actually brings up a very very important thing. Yeah, the answer, the short answer is yes, but I'll tell you why. So the airlines are all about making money, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, the airlines dropped a lot of even even commercial airport markets. The 500 commercial airports I talk about, they've dropped a lot of those airports uh, in in recent years because it's not cost effective for them. Even if even if they hire a commuter airline service to fly those legs for them, they still don't consider it cost-effective. So they've dropped a lot of those airports. Between that and the pandemic last year, there have been a lot of aviation entrepreneurial types that have said, oh, wait a minute, there's an opportunity there. So you mean if I fly to Peoria, Illinois, that 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 whoever, United Delta, or um, American aren't willing to fly to, and and I can see that there's enough of a of a um, of a passenger, you know, enough people to want to do that. Then yeah, I'll do Peoria to St. Louis, Peoria to Chicago, Peoria to Cleveland. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and so that's what they do, and they they have a smaller aircraft, maybe on the size of the aircraft that you were on. And so it does have that feel for that, but it also is filling a niche or a void um, that makes a lot of sense. And and I think more of that, I don't think, I know more of that is happening uh, as we speak uh, at different levels. Some of it in the private flying world and some of it in the semi-private flying world. Got Which, it. by the way, I, that that well, I use the word true private flight. I should have just said semi because when you talk about semi private flying, then you do uh, you are flown on aircraft like the one you were on. That's what a JSX uses. That's what a Surfair uses, and things like that. Yeah, they're, they're those thirty. I'm looking at it right now. They're those thirty seat. Em, I, I'm hoping I'm saying Embraer, Embraerus, one thirty fives and one forty fives. I guess there's some ruling mm-hmm. within the. Uh, uh, um, transportation agency that allows them to do certain things with those planes and smaller that commercial guys can't do. Yeah, it, it's 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 it, it's operating costs, right? Yeah, yeah. Vince, two two quick questions for you that I wrap up into one. Okay. Um, earlier, when you were having the discussion with Michael, something came to mind. Michael flying from Fargo's sake, um, Vegas. To New to I don't want to say New York because I think that's a direct flight to New York. What private air also does one of the advantages? It's always a direct flight, isn't it? Yes, 
It, it's it's always point to point. Uh, there's there, you don't deal with connection. That's you funny you bring that up, Dave, because that, um, yeah, you can, and that goes back to the number of airports that are available at destinations. So you have that opportunity to go direct um, and never have to uh, to connect. Uh, so that's a huge advantage. Yes, you're, you're point to point. Yeah, which which actually saves time, which. Sort of, I'll morph this into my other question I was going to ask. Are, are private jets faster than commercial airlines? And I'm, hmm. I'm asking that, I, no, but I'm asking that question recognizing that even within the commercial industry, some aircrafts are faster than others. So I'm asking that question in a general sense. Are they generally faster if I want to get from point A to point B, just like that? So that's a that's a really great question. I'm kind of smiling about it because, generally speaking, most jets fly at about the same speed with oh. within within reason. Okay, mm-hmm. so we if we're using Mach, you know, most jets are in the Mach eight or seven point eight to Mach eight point five. They're they're all in that range. Here's the thing that people don't always understand. Because why would you? You just you're you're traveling on something, and all you know is this is how long it takes to get there. But in reality, and this, I can use a lot of different examples. But I'm gonna have some fun with Vegas because I, I I did this. <laughs> well, I had I had a situation come up, and this is gonna answer your question too. I had a situation come up because I was doing a lot of private flying in, in in myself flying aircraft in the L.A. area, and I had somebody tell me that they felt that they could get to Vegas um, from LA, from LAX, faster than I could in a small private plane at an airport not far from LAX, from Torrance Airport. And I said, no, I'll beat you. <laughs> and they said, yeah, but I'm flying in a jet. You're flying in that little rinky-dink four-seater. They had never enough <laughs> to call my plane a rinky-dink four-seater. <laughs> Don't do that. Another. That hurts. <laughs> yeah. The, them's fighting words. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but... But I took it on. I said, okay. I said, we will, we will, I will do this thing where I will arrive at the airport at the same time you arrive at LAX and we'll see who gets there first. And here's the thing. So, and the main part of this story, first of all, they had to do all the stuff, go through TSA, go to the gate, wait for the plane, board the plane, plane takes off. The actual flight of the aircraft from LAX to Las Vegas is like 35 minutes. But taxi, takeoff, landing, taxiing to the gate, all that is factored in. So when somebody tells you it's an hour and a half flight, it may not be an hour and a half. It may be the actual physical flight may be 30 minutes, but everything else, the taxiing, the routing sometimes and all that kind of stuff comes into play. So coming back to your question about, yeah, most aircraft, whether it's a private jet or a commercial jet, fly at approximately the same speed. Mm-hmm. But going into a private air terminal, getting out of your car, going in that terminal, walking through and getting on a plane five or 10 minutes later and being up in the air five or 10 minutes after that versus the commercial process, all the difference in the world. And that's right. what adds to the time. Anyhow, right. I won that bet. 
<laughs> I, I landed at the airport and pulled up to signature flight support at, at, at McCarran um, before the person I made the bet with had, had gotten to their gate. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And, and, and they were like, that's just not physically possible. I'm like, well, actually, it is possible. It's very physically look possible. what you had to do. And look what I had to do. I had all I had to do. I got to the airport. I pre-flighted my aircraft. I might have expedited a little bit, um, and fired her up. Did my run up. Got out there. Got permission to take off and did my route and landed and everything. And yes, my flight, my flight actually, um, point to point. Uh, I think it was an hour and a half or hour and fifteen minutes or something like that. Whereas, yeah. like I said, their actual flight was like thirty minutes. The actual flight. The actual flying time. Take yeah. off the touchdown. Yeah. And there and there is the difference. And I'll and tell yeah. you, from from this entire conversation, I'm not sure if that was your intention, but you've convinced me that I should seriously look into taking private air to use in private air. You it, you it's it's a good alternative depending on what your needs and interests are. Right. So it's I it's not something that I would tell people that they should do all the time, every time they fly. Right. But for certain things, if it makes sense, it, it should be an option. And it should be an option to look at. And to Michael's point, it should be something that you look at because of these new operations that are popping up. And you want to make sure these operations are, are, are solid, that they're on solid ground. Because you don't want to just be jumping on a plane of, of a pop-up. <laughs> service right. that came out of nowhere. It, it needs to have a bit of a reputation or it's backed by a company that has a good reputation. And I, I, I want it from a safety standpoint, I do want to say that to, to your audience is, you know, don't be so focused on taking the a deal that you don't do a little bit of homework and make sure you're, you're flying with a legitimate company that has a good reputation and and that has you know uh, that that you can tell that they they operate you know by the information you find out, but that they're 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 legit in terms of their operations and things like that. Uh, uh, you know, you're not going to find anything on the Better Business Bureau about them, but you can do a little research and 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 find out pretty quickly. And and some of them um, have been doing this stuff a long time, and so they have a really great reputation, and and they they have a good safety reputation. Uh, and then there's some that come out of nowhere. And a lot of times you can tell by the way they operate and you're like, mm, I think I'm going to leave that one alone. Right. So, um, well, that's the other side of it. Aren't they regulated by the federal, by the Absolutely. FAA? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yes, they are. But a broker kind of, you know, they kind of skate that line. Mm -hmm. So because they're just a broker. So what they're doing is they're matching a charter company with a customer. So, so they, they do have some scrutiny, but they can, they can also kind of get away with things a little bit. And, and the thing about the broker is it's not so much, there's two problems that a broker can cause. One is that they overcharge. So they pad it way too much. The other problem is, is that they may not use as great a discretion as they should about who they use and who they don't use. Right. Wow. So what I mean by that, when I say do your homework, you pick somebody 
if you pick a reputable quote unquote broker or a reputable app that allows for these type of flights, um, their their scrutiny is going to be there. And so you you generally don't have to worry about it. Uh, if if it's if you pick one that's not too reputable, their scrutiny is not going to be there, and therefore the people they pick, there may be some questions about too. And so you know it, it's like anything else. Um, I, I, I'm not going to mention who, but there are some <laughs> airlines that we know that have a reputation um, and that you uh, if you you may pass on them <laughs> most chances you get. Versus other airlines that you know, yeah, they're like any other airline; they have their issues, but that generally speaking, they operate safely. Got it. Yep, yeah. yep, yep. No, this has been uh, illuminating to say the least. I actually, I am in addition to this podcast, I really want to delve into this a little deeper at a later point uh, with a series of follow up articles and and um, stuff because. There's a lot to this. I mean, we've talked about private versus semi-private. We've talked about fractional. We've talked about these new hybrid things. And I just want to distill it down to make it simple for people to understand the process, which is why I asked you the question earlier about the golf trip to Beth Page Black, because it's a process. People need to know where to begin and how to follow it through. That's how we get new customers, making it simple, simplifying yes. the process for them. So that's yep. one of the things I want to focus on going forward. Um, Bids, put a button on this. Did we forget anything? Is there something that we really need to know before we wrap up? Um, not really. I think we covered a lot of ground. I think the the bottom line about private air travel, uh, I'm a little biased about it because I do it a lot. I, I think it is a great thing. I think about a I think affordable private air travel is something that more people, if they knew about it. To today's yeah. point, they would use it, yeah, because it is a great way to travel. It it does keep you out of the limelight of being amongst a gazillion people when you're traveling and things like that. And it is more point to point. Yeah. So, um, and 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 so, and I and I think I think a couple of things. If you're doing a Michael where you need to pop on a Surf Air type of or a JSX and and go on a short flight from Vegas to San Diego or to Vegas to LA or Vegas to Sacramento or Vegas to wherever. Um, that's a Vegas to Phoenix. That, that is a, a great way, great type of service to use. It's semi-private, but it's more comfortable. And, and in a lot of ways, it can be more convenient. I think that if you are occasionally planning a getaway or vacation with a few couples or a group of friends, um, then I think, or even with colleagues, if you're doing a golf outing or something like that, I think then um, looking at your options for that can add a lot to that and make it easier for everybody involved in terms of doing that type of trip. So I, I just bottom line say uh, it's, it's a great option. There are several options within the option. And that you should uh, really give that consideration uh, when applicable for for the type of traveling you're doing. Got it. Got it. Cool. Uh, as we're walking out the door, uh, I mentioned at the top of the podcast, your webinar podcast series, All Things Aviation and Aerospace. And I've listened to several episodes. And if you have an interest in anything aviation and aerospace, I'm talking about from 
learning what the pilots go to through some interesting, interesting stories from people around the world, women in travel and women in, in aviation. This is a great podcast to uh, and webinar to listen to. Hey, Vince, tell everybody where they can sign up to listen to uh, your all things aviation and aerospace. Hey, thank you for, for mentioning that. Yes, so it's on YouTube under Private Air Media Group. Uh, it's also on Facebook under Private Air Media Group. Uh, and I am, uh, it's, I've been doing the show over a year, so there are quite a few episodes uh, that, that cover a lot of the different areas. And it is as much about aerospace as it is about aviation uh, and vice versa. So it, 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 it does offer a lot of insight. And I've, I've interviewed some really interesting people on the show. So, yeah, I, I welcome, welcome you to, to check it out. Yeah, and thank you very much for for promoting it. It, it. It's actually really cool. I mean, I've heard some great stories about here, and for young people, students who are trying to get into the aviation business, the the resources and the wealth of information you provide is really really good. I wasn't kidding when I said that uh, uh, you have been widely uh, panned for having a great content driven platform for uh, people who love the aviation business. So, congratulations on the podcast, and congratulations on the webinar, and. Uh, you got a fan in us, so um, and we love it. Anyway, yeah, thank you. Anyway, you have been listening to the Tripcast 360 podcast with Vince Mickens. We have uh, discussed pretty much everything in the private uh, aviation piece as far as the consumers using the services that are available, and we are going to write some more detailed stories about this because I I do think this is an underutilized uh, service that uh, is just sitting out there waiting for us to jump on. So. With that being said, on behalf of my dear friend Dave Cumberbatch, who is sitting quietly out there in Long Island having survived Tropical Storm Henri, this is Michael Gordon-Bennett saying so long, and we'll see you next time on another edition of TripCast 360.